0: If I say extreme superbird, what would be your guess? No, it's not the cassowary. Yes, cassowaries are awesome, but there is a much smaller bird inhabiting our forests here in the Dane Tree that is very different and very extreme. Let me introduce you to the orange footed scrub fowl. G'day. I'm Mike, the Darcy of Daintree, and this is one of our podcasts in the Rainforest Insights series, where we explore some of the wonders and mysteries of the Daintree rainforest. Usually, when we think of birds raising a family, we would start with one adult building a nest and mum laying some eggs. Afterwards, either mum, dad or both sit on the eggs to incubate them until the young peck their way out with their egg tooth and then the adults feed and protect their young until they become independent. For most birds, including the mighty cassowaries, that's exactly how it happens. But the orange-footed scrub fowl is so different, so extreme in many ways. Firstly, the egg is hidden deep in a mound of earth, and mum leaves them immediately after burying the egg. The young chicks can dig their way out of a mound and are ready to fly almost immediately after hatching. And they don't need parents protecting or feeding them. This scrubfowl world is one of no parental responsibility at all and complete independence from the start. As their name suggests, their huge feet are starkly orange coloured. In our region, the Guki Yalangi rainforest people call them jaraka, and their eggs, especially, have been one of the Yalangis' favourite food. Orange-footed scrub belong to a very unusual family of mound-builder birds or megapods, meaning bigfoot. They're not very common outside Asia as the 26-something species are concentrated on parts of Indonesia, New Guinea, the Philippines, Nicobar in India and some Western Pacific Islands. In Australia, we have three megapods, the orange-footed scrub from the rainforest and top end, the scrub turkey along the northeast of Australia and as far south as Wollongong, and the mallee fowl from the arid southern interior. All megapods build mounds and bury their eggs, using nature, bacteria, fungi and moisture to produce heat to incubate the eggs. The scrub turkeys use a lighter, frothier mix, and the mounds usually have a male owner that keeps working the mound to regulate the temperature. Comparatively speaking, the scrub fales have far more soil in their mound. Think up to 50 tonnes. Very good soil, by the way, as some local friends found out. They left their property unattended while on holidays for about a month. When they returned, all their front garden and orchard were looking bare and sad. All the topsoil and leaf mulch had been diligently raked by a proud couple of scrub fales that had decided to take up residence and share the beauty of their surroundings. And what a mound they built, about a metre high by three metres in diameter. We don't know when or why they build new mounds. Maybe overcrowding, brought about by successful rearing. Or maybe our friend's pair wanted something different with a pretty surrounding garden. More likely the former. Whatever, the years have gone by and their mound is still there, going strong. Mound building is quite an effort for a bird that weighs around 1.3 kilograms. So scrub fails generally have a permanent mound, shared and added to a little over many years, which means they depend less on decomposition to provide heat and more on the ambient or natural temperature around them. They're able to assess it and manage to dig their holes to the correct depth to match that ambient temperature. And it's not only in the mound building class that these amazing birds punch above their weight in their featherweight division. Their eggs are huge, an eye-watering 250 grams or 20% of their body weight and four times the weight of a chicken egg. I believe only the New Zealand Kiwi has a bigger egg to weight ratio. Although the Malleo from Sulawesi, another megapod also goes close. So let's call it a dead heat or a live heat, whatever works. By any standards, 250 grams is a huge production, and each egg is about 70% yolk. It takes mum a few days to recover from the shock and grow the next egg, so the gap between laying eggs can be about 10 days or so. They revisit the mound and may lay up to 10 eggs in a season, with each dug into a separate excavated hole in the mound. Their eggs need around 45 days of incubation, twice that of a chook and not much less than the cassowary at about 52 days. Each scrub-fowl chick hatches out in total isolation and with great difficulty, which is up. Domestic chickens, like most birds and reptiles, have an egg tooth to break open the egg, while the scrub-fowl starts life on its back and uses its strong legs and huge claws to scratch through the shell. To make it just a little more difficult, there is no air sac or air bubble in the egg, so breathing depends on air seeping through the thin shell of the egg from the porous underground soil to sustain the chick during the exertions of the next day or two. Once out of the shell, it'll need to rest underground in its prison dungeon, then start the big job of digging and tamping down the soil as it works its way up and out of the mound. This often involves about One metre in height and takes up to two days. Such energy and determination for a newborn chick. After a final listening for danger rest, the chick scrambles out of the mound, small but pretty well fully formed. It still has soft pin or down feathers, but enough wing feathers to fly or perhaps flounder onto a branch immediately. An instinctive flight to safety. They seem to know that the lurking goanna over there is not their mum, but a potential predator. No need for imprinting and no opportunity for learning. In fact, they're considered the most precocial birds in the world, or even super precocial. Precocial, by the way, means the degree of independence that an animal has at birth. Humans, of course, are not precocial as we need many years of parental care. Sometimes it can take up to 35 years before a young human can be convinced to leave home, while others just never do. Orange-footed scrub are at the complete opposite end of the precusiosity spectrum. So, back with our young scrub chick. Having survived its first flight, it needs to eat. Like chooks, their diet is pretty broad or omnivorous, although they seem to prefer worms, termites and beetles with just a little fruit. It's fascinating to see their streamlined foraging as they crouch forward, powerfully raking the soil, looking down for food as they move forwards. Very different from domestic chooks, which have a much more upright stance. You may have noticed how domestic chooks nervously scratch a little bit of earth, then need to stand back to see whether they've been successful or not. Different bodies, different strokes, different species. And unlike the polyandrous domestic chooks, which means the rooster can have many partners, the adult scrubfowl form permanent couples and are socially monogamous. The couples take care of the mound together. And are they ever noisy? At any hour, especially noticeable at night. They even sing a type of ritual duet with different types of calls to suit the occasion. Some seem to be a call out to other couples who may be interested in sharing the same mound. Other squawking calls seem to be more social and maybe just to keep us awake at night. If you want to see a mound for yourself, and you should, the mounds are not difficult to find and some are very visible just behind the edges of the road if you look closely. Check out when driving past the Noah Beach uh, campground or around Emmerchant Creek on the Bloomfield Track, you might also spot a few mounds. There's also a large mound near the beginning of the Doobudgie Boardwalk at Cape Tribulation. Visitors often say it looks as if the park's workers have piled up some dirt and left it there in the pristine forest. Not so. There are a few smaller mounds further along Doobudgie, near some large bull oak trees. Another mound is towards the end of the Marger Botanical Boardwalk, and yet another alongside the Cape Tribulation Lookout Walk. To find some of the birds themselves, your very best chance could well be near where you're staying, as they love the habitats of our rainforest gardens and backyards. Or just go walking around or driving in the early morning or late afternoon especially. They're a dark brown, slightly dark blue colour with a small topknot head and a plump, almost tailless body. They're usually in pairs and will fly clumsily to a nearby tree or strut upright across the road with a strange bobbing head like a cartoon character. I'd be surprised if you don't see or hear a pair during your days in the Daintree. I'll bet that you'll hear their interminable but slightly melodic squawking as they chat to each other. When you're planning your visit to the Daintree, uh, check out the independent destination Daintree website And also check out our Darcy of Daintree tours. We always cover some good territory. And please listen to some of our other podcasts in Rainforest Insights with Darcy of Daintree on iTunes, Spotify or via our website.